So Bruce very shortly is going to come and read our scripture. So uh, Genesis 1, 20 to 31. And we're up to, this is days 5 and 6 of creation of the Genesis account. And not all six days in the Genesis account, chapter 1, are of equal importance. Uh, It's more like a progression. And we're moving up to this incredible climax of day six. It's more like a, a wedding. You know, with the wedding, there's different stages of the wedding. There's negotiations with the in-laws, got them sussed, nailed that one, and then venue, yeah, nailed, invites, menu, the band, so on, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it's all heading to that climax of the big day. The big day. And the creation account is like that. Day one. Heavens and earth. Nailed it. Clouds and water. Day two. Day three. Seas and land. Day four. Sun, moon and stars. And we're heading for that climax. We're getting there. Almost there. Hold on. And Bruce is going to read that for us. All right. Genesis chapter 1, 20 to 31. And God said... Let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be faithful and increase in number, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the birds increase in the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant, from the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. So, and to all the beasts of the earth, and all the birds in the sky, and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And so it was. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day.
So, day five. Day five had been pre-prepared in day two. The waters had been separated uh, below and above, and the sky and sea. And so God can now fill them with fish and birds, and he does. And for the first time, we see in this creation that God blesses it. Verse 22. He blesses the creatures. He doesn't bless the sun, uh, doesn't bless the moon, doesn't bless the stars, doesn't bless the trees, but he blesses the creatures, the water and the winged creatures in day five. He blesses the land creatures and humans in day six. Now, and then day six, day six had been pre-prepared by day three. Uh, The vegetation is in place. And now land-based creatures enter into the account. There's wild beasts, there's domestic beasts, animals, and there's crawling animals. And day six is special. Day six is the climax of creation. And we see that, how day six is special in, in quite a few ways. Everything else has been leading us up to this day. Everything else is leading up to this day. And the creation account shows us how was day six special. There's, there's quite a few things that show us that. There are, in, the, in this day uh, six, there's four divine speeches uh, where God speaks. Verse 24, 26, 28, and 29. Now that's twice as many as any other day. And only on this day, day six, do we see the plural of God's speech. He says, let us. Also on, uh, up to day four, God's speech has only been soliloquy. Uh, and you remember that from English classes. Soliloquy is, is when there's someone speaking, but no one is there. It's like just speaking. But uh, for the first time, God speaks to something. There's something there that he's speaking out to. He's not just speaking. Also, for the first time, God is said to make in his image and likeness, right here in day six. And finally, and very notably, only on after day six, after the total of creation is created, does the summary change slightly, but it's a big change. Just right here, God says, not that it's good, but that it is very good. And so it's almost like uh, we're getting close. It's like it's the drum roll, we're building momentum. God's creation is almost complete, and he saved his best to last. Best to last. And we're going to try and summarize that just with three words. Three words today. And the first word, the first word is go. Go. Go for it. God says to his creation, go for gold. Yeah, go. Verse 20. Let the waters teem with living creatures. This is the first time, and Jason's opened his eyes now. 
Um, what a team of living creatures. This is the first time God personally blesses his creation, verse 22. And God creates monsters of the deep for Jason to catch and bring into my freezer. Uh, but bigger than that, uh, could be whales or even uh, bigger than that. Awesome creatures. Uh, birds that fly across the sky. Uh, and God says, go for it. Go. Go for gold. Which is what Jesus also says as co-creator of the world. Uh, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Jesus says, go for it. He says, go into all the world and make disciples. Go. Go into all the world and make disciples. And it's quite interesting that, uh, again, in Acts 1, Verse 8, Jesus says this, he says, um, spread out from Jerusalem. But the church actually didn't do that straight away. It was not until the persecution of Acts chapter 8 that uh, they were kind of forced into that. <laughs> so Stephen was stoned in Acts chapter 8, and then a, a persecution broke out on the church, and then they were forced to flee into different areas and fulfill those words of Jesus. Go into all the world and make disciples. Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And it's easy, actually, for Christians uh, to get comfortable, to stay in our own little world and just to stay there and to get comfortable. And uh, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about other people around you. But let's not get stuck in one place. Let's be obedient to what the Lord has said. Even way back in Genesis, interesting, uh, Bruce said, uh, be faithful instead of fruitful. Well, actually, it's both, isn't it? Be faithful and fruitful and go. Go for it. And I believe for us as a church, there is actually more to come. Uh, there's some pushing out that the Lord is going to be doing for us going into the future and the years to come. And we've had some uh, inclination of that. We've had some prophecy about that. It's possible some church planting may come out of us. Uh, Just throwing that out there. Watch this space. There could be some going from us. There's a great book written a few years ago, ago called Wild at Heart. And, and uh, it says this, that we particularly men were made for a going out, for a God-ordained uh, wildness that God put into men in particular, but humans altogether, as this passage says, where there's a, it's kind of like a, a risk that God puts in us, uh, a desire of pushing the boundaries, of venturing out, um, Danger. Uh, but instead of danger, at times in church, we, we don't teach that, that, that danger, that going out. We teach being dutiful. But God says to his creation, go, go for it, go out. So that's the first 
word, go. Second word is grow, be fruitful, increase, fill up, spread out, push out, push the boundaries. To the humans, God says, be fruitful and increase. Fill the earth and subdue it. Verse 28. Two third uh, things about the grow of day six. It's God's growth. It's God's growth. It comes from his personal blessing. God's spoken promise. You know, modern man speaks of success, but the biblical man speaks of blessing. Acts 2, 47 of the church says this, The Lord, the Lord, it was the Lord added to their numbers daily. The Lord added. Not that the early church leaders were clever dickies and very um, successful church planters, but it was the Lord that added to their numbers daily. Second thing about the grow, it's controlled growth. There was a thing on the radio on Wednesday, one of the troubles of Auckland's growth is that it's uncontrolled growth. It's spreading out, even onto our very good food-producing lands, such as our Pukekoi. But that's not God's growth, sort of growth. God's growth is controlled, as we look at day 6, verse 28. Rule over the earth, subdue it, have dominion over all the animals, sea, land, air. It's, it's controlled growth. It's not chaotic growth. Um, God designates his authority to humans. So, first word, go. Second word, grow. Grow it. Be fruitful. Increase. In a godly way, not an Auckland way. Uh, third word, show. Show it. Show it. Show what? Show God's love. Show God's love. Put it on display. What? What on display? God's love. And, and around the time of the, of the gathering together of this book of Moses, of the Pentateuch, of, of Genesis, their neighbors of the Jewish people, where they had come from, they were saying that uh, humans were food for the gods. That's what the neighbors of the Jews were saying, that humans were the food for the gods. And Genesis 1 says, no, that is not true. That is not true. There's one creator, God, and he is good. God is good. And so our God, verse 28, 29, our God does the opposite. It's not humans are food for the gods, but our God provides food for humans. Our God is good. I give you, verse 29, I give you every single plant and fruit for food. This shows God's love and his generosity, his concern for humans that he has created us. And the very first time the personal pronoun them is used. Verse 28, God blessed them. God not only provides food, he provides Adam for Eve 
and Eve for Adam. He provides fun and fellowship. Uh, Genesis is very explicit, if you don't mind the pun. He creates uh, male for female and female for male. God intentionally creates sexuality, male and female. It's not an accident of nature. This is God's intention. It's a gift of God. It's another sign of God's love. He provides for us. He provides food. He provides sexuality. And the, finally, the show of it, day six, the, the show is a display. The creation, the creation show of God's glory. We are created to display God's glory. Why, this is why humanity is right at the end. This is the drum roll. This is it. The ultimate display of God's glory in the creation of humanity, male and female. Nā ka mea te atua, ki a hanga tātou, i te tangata, ki a rite, ki a tātou, hei tō tātou, anō te ahua. Let us make man in our image. We are made in his image to image his glory, to show his glory, to show his glory. God's creation speaks of God's glory. And it comes to this climax in day six in humanity. Sure, creation displays his eternal power and divine nature. Romans 1.20 says, uh, Psalm 19.20 says, Heavens declare his glory. But particularly here, in the creation of male and female humans, this displays God's glory in a, in a particular way, climatic way. They image, they show the glory of God. Nā kahanga i tātua te tangata rite tonu ki uh, like God, he created them. Let's jump to the New Testament, James 3, verse 9. And James 3, verse 9 is very interesting. It says this He says, um, Why do you, with your tongues, you glorify God, but then you curse humans that have been made in the image of God. Don't curse people. Why? Because they bear the image of God. Even those really, really annoying ones (laughs) that you want to curse. James says, no, don't. Don't curse them because they hold something of the image of the eternal God. Don't curse them. The image bearers of God. So when you curse them, you're desecrating God's image. Be cognizant of the sacredness, the tapuness of every single human, all humanity. Now, if you get that, if you get that, that's really powerful. 
That's really powerful. Every human holds something of the image of God. All people are sacred. Every single person. And the evolutionary theory that comes out of uh, the, the survival of the fittest, that logically does not fit. In fact, the, you know, the care of weak people cannot come out of survival of the fittest. Because survival of the fittest, we uh, destroy the weakest elements of, the, of society. And in fact, that theory, survival of the fittest, uh, helped legitimize Nazi gas chambers. This helps um, legitimize subjugation of stronger races over weaker. But that's not the biblical view of Genesis 1. Biblical view is that all humanity displays God's image. All humanity. And it's been really powerful over the last 2,000 years what that concept has been able to do. You know, even here on the East Coast, um, the famous Piripi Tomata Akura, early Christian convert, released by Ngāpui after the uh, Ngāpui became, started to become converted and they released their slaves. Piripi Tomata Akura came down and started preaching. Now, Ngāti Piro were getting ready to go to war against next-door tribe whānau, Apanui, Purupi Tomata Akura could not stop the war, but he says, uh, when we go to war, this is what we're going to do. We will uh, not treat them as inhumane uh, humans. We will not eat our enemies. We will not um, treat the prisoners badly. We will not strip them of their stuff because... All humans were created in God's image. And it changed. It changed the way they did war. Uh, uh, First three centuries of Rome, the early Christian faith permeated that society. And the the Romans at that stage, they had um, two horrible practices. One was infanticide that when a child was not wanted, particularly female children, they were killed at times. The second one was what was called exposure, that if you didn't have the guts to kill your child, you would take them out, put them on the street. It was called exposure. And then they, those children would at times be um, taken and made into prostitutes or slaves. What the early Christians tended to do was gather up the exposed children and take them into their own uh, families and bring them up as their own children. See, because those early Christians had this concept that every human was worthwhile. Well, bear the image of God, in fact. Uh, Mother Teresa, if you have that picture, you know, have you seen some... um, some footage of Mother Teresa. She has this habit, you might have seen it, that she would grab uh, people's faces and look at them intently. And you know why? Because she believed as she was looking at the least of the least of humanity, that in fact, more than that, she was looking at something 
of the image of God. Missionaries in Nigeria would take babies off the rubbish dumps and feed and clothe them. Uh, Christians have combated the Hindu practice of widows' wives going on to uh, fiery pits to be burned because even widows bear the image of God. My, my, one of my favorite stories, and I'm going to finish on this, is of um, Bishop Desmond Tutu. I might have said it before. And it was, someone asked him how he come to be an Anglican priest. And he says, what actually happened when I was a very small boy walking down the road with my mother. And it was in, back in the old days, in apartheid days, and he was a little boy. And in those days, in apartheid South Africa, when you walk down the sidewalk and a white person was walking the other day, the expectation was the black or coloured person had to go onto the um, gutter. But as they were walking, this tall white man uh, dressed in black, he actually stepped into the gutter, he tipped his hat to his mother and then carried on. And little Desmond Tutu said, Mum, what was that about? She said, well, son, he's actually a priest and a man of God. And he said to himself at that point, I'm going to be a priest and a man of God. You see, when you get that concept of every human bears the image of God, shows the image of God, isn't that powerful? That can do incredible things. And the Apostle Peter, writing from, probably from Rome to scattered believers, 1 Peter chapter 2, he says this, you are the royal priesthood. Writing to the Christians scattered all over the place and writing to us right now, you are a royal priesthood created to declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are a royal priesthood created to declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Created to display his glory. Amen. Go, grow, show.